All right. You guys can open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Tonight is the night that so many of you have been waiting for. As we have talked amongst the leaders, as I have filtered through questions that you guys have submitted, um, most of the questions are related in some way, shape, or form to high school dating. What do we do since we're in high school? Questions such as how, how young should people be before they start to date? Is it ever okay to pursue a guy? So is it okay for a girl to ever pursue a guy? What's more biblical, dating or courtship? And what I hope tonight, I hope tonight and next week are helpful, I'm pretty sure I will not be able to answer all of the questions that you guys have. Uh, it's probably not possible. So what I want to do before we get started is I just want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to, to help me tonight. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my story with you, um, the road that God walked me through, uh, a little bit about Tabitha and myself, uh, and I'm, it'll be fun, uh, but I think it might leave you with more questions than answers tonight. So let me pray, let me ask the Lord to help us, and we can get to work. God, I love that you are a God of relationships and that you designed all of us, each and every one of us, to, uh, to need and to desire good relationships. God, I, I just pray that you would help us tonight to, to be open to hearing, open for discussion, open to learn. And God, that tonight would just be fruitful as we work through some stuff together. Jesus, I know I need your help, so would you be with me today, tonight, as I just, as I work through this. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, her name was Megan. I was sitting in a classroom, a, a new school. I was looking forward to new opportunities, new friendships new activities, and she was in my class. And I was a young guy. God has designed guys to look around and enjoy creation. So as I was surveying creation, <laughs> this blonde caught my eye. Did I, did, I, did I mention how old I was? No, I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> and now, this relationship didn't really start on good terms. It started by her asking me out. We lasted. We went out for about four weeks. So I showed her my deepest affection with my endless budget by making her jewelry from stuff. But I remember <laughs> they were in the process of tearing down our school. We were meeting in another school. We were actually 
Megan and I were standing outside watching this wrecking ball destroy, it's so awesome, destroy this school. When she looked at me and said, Ryan, I don't think this is working out. I said, Megan, what do you mean? (laughs) She said, Ryan, you're getting too popular for me. (laughs) As you can imagine, my my, uh, fifth grade brain is running at this point in time like, what do you mean? I'm too popular or getting too popular. Well, come to find out, she wanted me to have lunch with her four out of the five days at school, not just two. She wanted my undivided attention and affection in fifth grade. So our relationship ended, sadly, in front of the building being destroyed by a wrecking ball. (laughs) Needless to say, two weeks later, she asked me out again. But I turned her down. I manned up. So that was Megan. Now we fast forward to the 10th grade. I mean, big gap. I was scarred emotionally. I was so scarred. No, it's funny, actually, when I moved back from, uh, from Europe... I found her on Facebook. Actually, Facebook started when I was a freshman in college. You had to have a college email to have a Facebook account. And I found her. And it was the most crazy, like, weird thing. Like, that, that, oh, that's weird. It's just weird. But anyway, sophomore year in high school, um, I had begged and begged and begged and begged my parents to send me off to a boarding school. I was living in the Czech Republic at the time. Uh, I was doing homeschool and nothing against it, but I hated homeschool. I hated homeschool. I didn't do it from a young age, so I I struggled with the learning style. Um, I'm a really relational guy, so I spent most of the weeks with my family in a culture where I didn't speak the language. And when I went out, uh, I couldn't communicate with anybody else around me. So I was in this little, little bubble of just my family. So I begged and begged and begged. And uh, they wouldn't send me my freshman year. But my sophomore year, they decided to send me to Black Forest Academy in Condern, Germany. So I, uh, the semester I was supposed to start, we loaded up all of my stuff, or at least the stuff that I was taking, into our vehicle. And we drove 10 hours, which is how long it took us to get to Condern from, from Brno, Czech Republic. And I got there and was just stoked, just stoked. I was moving into uh, a dorm with 32 other high school guys with some dorm parents, some RAs. But can you imagine, some of you are sophomores, some of you are a little older, but just this idea of freedom. <laughs> it was crazy. Now, I will say I had uh, many, many wrong motives. I wanted to get out from the leadership of my parents, even though they were great parents and loved Jesus. I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do. I had plenty of motives that were poor in this process. But nonetheless, my parents let me go. And so I think it was on the second night that we were there, they were having uh, a orientation kind of idea where everybody's there. So I went from a class of, uh, we had a little homeschool co-op, not a class, a school size of 10 
to a school size of 350, which I know for you, if you're in public schools, your schools are much bigger. That's a big deal going from 10 to 350 uh, in, a, in a weekend. But we were hearing from a lot of people. We were given opportunities to stand up if we wanted to and share what our summer had looked like. And I had gotten up and shared, being the guy who never wants to shut up. <laughs> I got to get up and share about some summer experiences that I had, that God really was working in my life through. Then after, after that event, we were hanging out, myself and a couple of buddies who were from my dorm, and we were just, just mingling, just getting to know people. Um, there were a whole lot of new people for me to get to know. And that's when this young girl, she was about five foot six, brown hair, blue eyes, came up to me and initiated a conversation with me. We started just talking about, I'm excited to be here. She had been going to the school for a long time since she had been in fifth grade. We, uh, we just chatted for three or four minutes I got to know a little bit about her. I knew she was a home student, which meant her parents lived and worked at the school. So she lived with them in in just a house like a normal family would, um, not in a dorm situation. And then we parted ways. We parted ways two or three minutes into this conversation. But as she walked away, in my head, what I was thinking was, I've got to get to know her. I've got to get to know her. Her name was Tabitha Linda Grubb at the time. Tastes like chicken. Get the reference? Nobody gets it. Somebody got it. <laughs> Christina always gets my movie references. It's Lion King, everybody. Golly. Our story is a fun story, and I don't, I don't have the time to tell it. We usually take about an hour and a half to tell the incoming seniors at our house the entire unabridged version. But we dated on and off throughout high school and into college. We were married in 2007 uh, in the summer between our sophomore and junior year of college. By then, we had broken up four times, three times while we were dating, one after we got married. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We had broken up four times. Three times Tabitha broke up with me. Three times. I got the breakup email. That was before texting. I got the breakup in person. And I got dumped on our senior class trip to Rome on the beach in Rome with the God card. You guys ever heard of the God card? So it comes like this. You're getting in the way of my relationship with God. What do you say to that? Um, yeah, you just say, ouch, and you cry, and you just walk away. The last time we broke up was on me. I had to get one in, right? <laughs> stick, it, stick it in. My wife and I are happily married. We're about to hit eight years. We got married when we were 19. Two days, I turned 20 on my honeymoon. But when it comes to how we did high school and how we did dating, both Tabitha and I would say, don't do it like we did it. We would say, if we could go back and do it differently, we would. I don't regret for one moment marrying my wife. I don't regret for one moment getting married when I was 19, almost 20. But I do believe the way that we did high school 
and the way that we did dating added some unnecessary struggles that actually carried into our early marriage. And so it's kind of from this perspective and, and as I as I've studied and as I'm thinking about how do I walk through this with my own kids as they're getting ready to grow up, it's out of these things that I want to share with you some perspective. Teaching on dating is really, really interesting. In fact, I've kind of dreaded this moment. I'd much, I'd much rather be given a, a portion of text to exposit and to talk about the, the beauty of the gospel or, or personal sanctification or all of these other things. But once we start talking dating, people freak out. We start stepping on their little pretty idols. We start talking about things that, just quite honestly, some things aren't clearly spelled out in Scripture. So we're trying to use the wisdom of the whole counsel of God's word and some of our own experiences to help us. Quite honestly, some of your parents disagree with each other on this. So what does a guy like me do now? Well, one thing I need you guys to realize is for the past two months, we've been teaching you about dating. Like, Ryan, wait, I missed it. Uh, was I here? For the last two months, we've been teaching you about dating. We haven't talked specifically about when you should date or how you should date, or, but we have talked about who you should date, maybe. We've talked about the kind of person you should be, the kind of guy you should be if you're going to pursue a lady, the kind of girl you should be if you're going to receive that sort of leadership and affection from another man. For two months, we've been talking to you about relationships, and you didn't even know it. Some of you did. Some of the leaders didn't even know it. No, I'm just kidding. Every one of you, I want you to understand this before we dive into Scripture. Every one of you needs to understand this. Most of you will be married. Most of you should be married at some point in time in the next 10 years. Now, what I mean by that is I'm not worried about the age or the time frame, but you guys have to have the goal of marriage for your life. It's a, a biblical, if you, if you read Genesis to Revelation, you will get this full-orbed picture that the norm is marriage. That, the, that marriage puts on display the beauty of the gospel. That marriage helps you grow like nothing else aside from having kids. That marriage is one of the most beautiful vehicles God uses to help you change. I think David did a great job uh, a few weeks ago reminding us uh, with a great list of things that marriage does in the life, uh, especially of believers. So if you are a Christian today, you should be pursuing holiness and maturity with a fierce devotion. And since marriage is the norm, most of you should be making decisions right now with that in mind. It's like, whoa, Ryan, chill. I'm a freshman in high school. I get that. 
Whoa, Ryan, I'm a senior and I don't want to talk about this stuff. I get that. But our culture is raising most of you, if you listen to them, they're, just ra- they're, they're trying to teach you and show you that you can find all that you need by serving and loving yourself as long as you can. Marriage is getting pushed back further and further as people pursue themselves forever. You hear things like, I've got to do everything that I want to do before I get married and settle down. I've got to travel, make a lot of money, whatever it is. I've got to do all of these things before I get married and settle down. So when we think about dating in high school, I think most of you would agree with me that dating without the intention of marriage is destructive and unhelpful. I think David put it well. I've read it in a few articles as well. Dating without the intention of marriage is actually practicing divorce, not marriage. Because what it looks like is some of, some of you guys go from girl to girl when, when they don't meet your, your needs or do what you want of them, you can just move on. That's divorce. That's not marriage. Or, or girls, when the, the, the guys aren't giving you the affection that you need, you move on to the next one. All the while practicing divorce, not marriage. Now, if you ask Tabitha and I in high school, while we were dating, we started dating our sophomore year of high school. If you'd asked us why we were dating, we would have told you we had the purpose of marriage in mind. We would have told you that we were trying to honor the Lord in our relationship. But guys, 10 or 12 years later, I can honestly tell you, most of what we did was selfish It's all about making myself feel better, feeling loved and wanted, needed and desired. It was all about trying to experience as much of marriage as we could before we got married. And so my hope for you by the end of tonight is just to hear not a guy who just wants to stand here and say, this is what you have to do. But I want you to hear a guy who, when he looks back at his life, he would have done it differently. Now, I know what you're probably thinking, but Ryan, you, you got married, didn't you? You married her. You're right. By God's grace, I did. But 99% of the time, that is not the case. It's not. And even though we did end up getting married, I've already said this tonight, I think we carried some baggage into our marriage because of how we dated. Conflict would arise, we would bail. How's that helping you get ready for marriage? Our affections weren't there in this particular moment, we bail. How does that get you ready for marriage? If you talk to any godly couple about marriage, they will tell you 
Love is a choice and a decision every day. To sacrifice and to love each other. Even when, quite honestly, sometimes they don't deserve it. My wife loves me in a way that I do not deserve. She's amazing. But I wish I'd have treated her different in high school. You hear me? You hear that? So I'm not just trying to say, right, you know, just smack everybody upside the head. I, I want you to hear Ryan would do this differently. So I want to I wanna talk to you about three principles today that I think if you'll wrestle with, I, 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 can, I know for a fact many of you are not in agreement with me. Okay, I'm just going to state that. Some of your parents may not be in agreement with me. I'm open to conversation about this. At the end of tonight, as you head off into your groups, I want you guys to just talk. Be honest with each other. Ask good questions. I told them it's not their job to make sure everybody's on the same page by the time we leave tonight. So I just want you guys to talk. Engage in this conversation. So I want to give you three important things that I believe will help you be wise, mature, and grow in godliness in your high school years. The first one is this. When it comes to dating in high school, this is my easy one for the night. When it comes to dating in high school, if your parents say no dating, it's no dating. Oh man, Ryan, why we got to go there? I just got to say it. We talked about this in January. We talked about authority. And you just have to recognize if your parents say no dating in high school, you get to submit. And you get to submit joyfully. Colossians 3.20 is a verse that if you grew up in church, your parents probably had you memorize. Anybody here? Just me? Anybody had it memorized? I'm not going to make you say it. Some more hands come up. (laughs) Just knowing that I'm not going to make you say it. Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I just just got a real quick kind of news alert for you. Dating applies in everything. It, It slides right into that word, everything. Now, when I was in high school, I never had my parents forbid me to date. But I had my dad ask me some really good questions and hard questions. And I didn't care what he had to say. I wish I'd have listened to my dad a little bit more. But for some of you, the line is black and white. When mom and dad say, that's not acceptable, not while you're in high school, you get to joyfully submit. Now, if you are a believer in here, and you're saying, Ryan, I don't care what you say, you need to think a little harder. God cares very much about your relationship with your parents. Submission to God is submission to your parents. So why are we talking about this? I thought we were going to talk about dating. I just have to have you guys understand this piece. It's simple. 
Timing is everything. And we're going to use this the rest of the night. Timing is everything. The right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. The right thing at the wrong time is still a wrong thing. So is it a bad thing, everybody up here, is it a bad thing that you have a desire to have a strong, intimate relationship with another person of the opposite sex? Is it wrong that God has given you that kind of desire? That should key you off. No. Hear me. These are good desires in and of themselves. It is good that you have that desire, that you want to be in a relationship, that you want to be known. But just like most things, they all have their proper context. They all have their proper spot. And this is where I'm just going to be really blunt with you guys. And like I said, we can talk about this. I hope you don't hear me. I'm not flipping out. I don't, I don't think of you uh, as idiots at all. Here's what I would say. High school is not the time. High school is not the time. You can disagree with me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But hear my heart. I think high school will be a much better experience for you. And I think you will be a better man or woman in the future if you wait. If you wait. One of the greatest signs of maturity in a young man or young woman at your age is how they speak about, respect, and submit to their parents. So girls, as you just naturally get interested in another guy, if they don't exhibit these kind of characteristics, back off. Even as you get into college, when you're ready to date, when I think it honors the Lord most that you can date, if they don't exhibit that sort of respect and honor for their parents, back off. I'm not saying they have to have perfect parents. And I'm not even saying they have to love everything their parents say and do. But you can still disagree with your parents and be respectful and loving to them. You can, I promise you. I promise you. All right, now that the fun one's out of the way, (laughs) the next thing I want to just bring to your attention is, is this. If you will do this, your high school years will look vastly different than the majority of American high school students. Take advantage of this season of singleness that you have given to you by God. Take advantage of this season of singleness. Can I be honest with you guys? High school, whether you believe it or not, is a pretty awesome time. There will never be another time like high school in your life where you can try all kinds of crazy things, where you can 
Give of your time and your energy in such different ways. It'll never again be as easy to go to high school camp, even as a leader. Many of our leaders are taking vacation to be with you. Some of it is unpaid vacation to be with you. It will never be the same again. Turn your copy of the scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. While you're going there, this is something I wanted to do at the beginning, but I didn't get to it, and I actually would still like to. When you think about dating in high school, when you look around at your friend circles, yourself, your own life, what are some reasons that people are dating right now? Good ones, bad ones, I don't care. I just want to hear them. What are some reasons that people are getting involved in an exclusive relationship with someone of the opposite sex? Give them to me. Someone to lean on. Experience. Sex. Thanks for saying the obvious that nobody else was going to say. Appreciate you. What else? Come on, just throw them out. I don't care if it's you've experienced it or you've seen it in a friend. What are some other reasons that people are getting involved in high school dating relationships? Go. Okay, to learn how to handle a heartbreak. So the, the attachment that comes with either physical or emotional or both of those together. Yeah, I feel it feels pretty awful when everybody else has got one and you don't. I get that. Anybody else? It's fun. Any others? Those are, I think, a great kind of spectrum of the answers that I normally would get and the answers that I normally would give when I was in high school. That's great. All right, so 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to read verse 8, and then I'm going to read... Or 32 to 35. Actually, I'm going to probably read 6, 7, and 8. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I am myself. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Then hop over to 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. All right, so this is a passage that many, uh, many single men and women will go to as they're wrestling with their own spot in life. But I do not think it is unfair or, un- or inappropriate to talk about it in this context right here. Paul recognized the unique opportunity that an unmarried person has to devote his life or her life to who? To who? Thank you. 
It wasn't just this don't get married, but it was this seize the day for the kingdom of God. Squeeze every drop of life out of each day for service and worship to God. Now, once again, I recognize that most of you probably don't have the gift of singleness. And what I mean by that is most of you will end up married. But can I just be real frank with you? Most of you, if not all of you, are in a very specific time frame of singleness right now. Most of you, probably all of you, will not be married before you graduate high school. So at least you have a very definite period of singleness. So when we look at it in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, what would Paul say to you about how to use your life? Any thoughts? Yeah, remain laser focused to pleasing God. How else? That's kind of the overarching. But what do you think that would mean for you right now as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in high school to be wholly devoted to the Lord? Anybody? No ideas. Yeah, you may have to give up some things that you like to do, usually with the purpose of doing some things that may be hard but good. What else? Come alongside other believers. That's great. What else? Missions. Great. Some of you would say, and I I would hear this completely, I can do all of those things and still have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Let me share it from my own personal experience. It's funny, I was just talking with my dad about this last night as I was getting ready for tonight. There was a point in time, my junior and senior year, where my dorm dad ha- actually called my parents and said, I don't think what, you, what your son is doing is healthy. Now, it wasn't because we were running off and having sex or that we were doing things that people were telling us not to. It's because I was spending so much time with her, I was actually neglecting some other areas of my life. My school was getting done. It wasn't that. I was showing up at all my sports practices and excelling in all of my sports. It wasn't that. But I had abdicated my leadership role in our dorm. I was in a unique period of time where men in our, young men in our dorm were starting to look towards me. Not as the only guy, but as a guy to lead and love and care for some of the younger guys. Help walk alongside them, as you guys said. And my dorm dad called my dad and said, I don't think this is healthy. I was spending most of my time out of the dorm with this sport this other thing, and then a whole lot of time with Tabitha. I actually wasn't able to do all the things that I think God would have for me in that season of life. I actually neglected some areas of responsibility. I abdicated some of my responsibility. 
I was missing out on so much that I could have been involved in for the kingdom of God. So much ministry, so many opportunities to sacrifice the Lord. Because I was spent time pursuing something that I couldn't even have for another five years. How crazy is that? I'm walking into this relationship with this girl saying, yeah, we have marriage in mind, but it's actually marriage like 10 years from now. (laughs) It was really five, but that's crazy. I mean, how does that make sense? It's like, I I heard it said once, it's like for you ladies uh, walking into this store every day for the whole year and trying on the same dress, but knowing you can never pay for it but I really like the dress. It feels good when I wear it. I look good when I wear it. I don't, you do. (laughs) It's like that. But you don't have the money to purchase it. It's not the right time. Guys, I, I would ask you to think about this. Are you taking advantage of this specific season of singleness in your life? You have great opportunity. You have great opportunity for ministry. All right, and the last one for tonight is simply this. Once the ball starts rolling, it's very, very hard to stop it. Once the ball stops, starts rolling, it's very, very hard to stop it. Turn in your copy of the scriptures. I can honestly say I've never said this in my life before. (laughs) Turn in your copy of scriptures to the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. In some Jewish cultures, some kids were not able to read this until they were like 13. Like they were not allowed. It's a pretty unique book of the Bible. In fact, there's no other book like it. It is a, I believe it's a storyline of a a romantic relationship from beginning of attraction to marriage and consummation. We're going to read verse 8 and verse, sorry, chapter 8, verse 4. But this phrase that we're going to read shows up three times in the entire context of Song of Solomon. Chapter 8, verse 4, in my copy of the scripture says this, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Other translations might say, until it's time. So what in the world is this talking about? Ryan, are you just pulling a a piece of verse out of a, a book of the Bible so you can make your point? No, I'm not. This comes from what most scholars believe, the verse before the consummation of a marriage. Quite honestly, I think it's fairly clear what it's saying. Is we don't open this can of worms until it's time. We don't open this Emotional attachment, sexual intimacy, physical intimacy until it's time. How 
how do you, can I just, how do you grow a relationship when it's got a ceiling on it? Like in high school, when we, if we date somebody, there's some clear ceilings. And depending on who you talk to, you kind of move that physical line around. Like, okay, we, can't, we can hold hands, but nothing more. Hey, we can hold hands and we can do a kiss, but, but nothing more. I, I'm not here to debate that with you. But how do you grow a relationship for a long period of time when there's a ceiling on that baby? You keep hitting this ceiling because you're not supposed to go into marriage zone. And so often what's happening is we're trying to get and grab, I've said this already, as much marriage as we can without being married. The emotional intimacy, that leaning on somebody, that feeling loved and desired and wanted, that feels amazing. But it was designed for you and for me in the context of marriage. I've already said this, but Tabitha and I brought some unnecessary baggage into our relationship, into our marriage, both emotional and physical. And we never had sex. We never came close. But let me be real honest with you. I did not lead my future wife well. Part of the problem was we, t- we did a relationship for a long time. When you start talking beginning to end of our relationship, it's five years. This ball rolls both physically and emotionally. And once it gets rolling, it's hard to stop. Now, it may not be that it's the same relationship for you. You get in and you get out, but now you've tasted You've awoken that desire for love and for affection. So we go to another. We taste. We enjoy. But then we go to another. We taste and we enjoy. All the while we're leaving a string of people behind us that either A, we've hurted, or we've hurted. A, we've hurt, or B, have hurt us. Probably both. We've taken some things both emotional and physical, that we should never have taken from someone that's not our spouse. The things that are freely given in a marriage. Guys, listen up. Guys and girls here, I am not here because I want to be some killjoy on all of your life for your entire high school. In fact, what if, I think if you guys would walk in some of these principles that we'll talk in this week and next week, I think you would actually have more joy and more satisfaction in your life now than if you dive in headfirst to the whole dating scene. Now, if you came here and you're already in a relationship, I'm not here to tell you, break it up this second, this is stupid, you need, to, you need to leave this room, we're never talking again, you're not welcome. Like, that's, that's dumb. I love you all. And you can come up to me, you can introduce your girlfriend, I will talk with her, I will show you guys that I care about you, I won't think differently about you. Because I know me. I know me. 
and I know where I've been and I know what I've walked. But Tabitha and I would have done life a little differently if we were your age. Again, I believe you can have a stronger marriage if you will wait now. I believe you will have a more healthy or you will be a more healthy and mature high school student if you will just wait now. And quite honestly, I believe you can have a more fruitful ministry to your friends and family if you will wait now. I think the problem is some of you guys don't see yourselves as people who do ministry. You don't see yourself as people who are supposed to pour out rather than gather everything for myself. I will tell you, I was selfish in high school. I did so many things for my own glory, for my own desires that made me feel good. Dating was one of them. So let me land, let me try to land the plane here. I've already said this before, but I want to come back to this because this is really, really important. These desires for intimacy, both emotional and physical that are supposed to be consummated in a beautiful marriage. These are good desires. They really are. God gave you those desires. But timing is everything. The right thing, which an intimate relationship with someone of the other sex that ends in marriage, is a good and right thing. The right thing at the wrong time is still a wrong thing. So now that I've sufficiently ticked you all off, I just want you to know I probably brought up more questions than answers tonight. And I'm open and willing to talk with you in person. In fact, I would much prefer to have this conversation individually with every single one of you than to do it like this. But in a couple of weeks, May 3rd, my wife and I will be here and we will actually do a Q&A together. Uh, There's still a box in the back that you can drop questions if you have them. If there are good questions that come up in your group time, uh, we will be honest with you. We will share our experience with you. Uh, If you ask us questions like, so we're going to date in high school anyways, how would you do this? We'll answer them because we love you. We want you to do things to honor the Lord. Clear? Does that make sense? Yeah? All right. Well, I've got five Journal questions for you. Um, what I'm going to just let you do is go to group time. Leaders, make sure you've got that sheet. We're not going to spend any time ahead of time on these. I took a little longer than I planned. Uh, let me pray. Can I pray? I hope, I hope that you hear from me a loving heart and a caring heart, not just this militant guy. Because I want the best for you. I really do. It would be a lot easier for me to stand up here and just kind of say all these things without giving you personal experiences of my failures. It's tempting, but I hope it helps you see my heart. Tabitha and I have a great marriage. We are growing and changing and loving the Lord. But I think we would have done things a little differently. And I don't think we created some of the havoc that actually is way worse than many of the people that I talk with. When I talk with people who 
have walked through this all of high school and went from the, the, this guy to this guy and this guy to, to this girl. This, like if the people that have walked in that have really, really hurt themselves and hurt others. Let me pray. God, I thank you that at the end of the day, we can stand here and be grateful for the cross, Jesus. That I can look back and see ways that I was an idiot, ways that I blew things, ways that I messed things up, and I can be thankful for your grace. Lord, I can look at my wife and my three kids and our fourth one due in June, and I can say, thank you, God, for working in spite of me. But God, I thank you that I can also look at our students who I love and I pray for and I can ask them be better than me. Do life differently than me. Because I think you can be honored and glorified in a very different and much better way if we will orient our life in high school around you, around honoring you, around pursuing godly friendships, instead of exclusive dating relationships. God, I thank you for this time. Bless our conversations in our group time. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys.